This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The European Central Bank said it would speed up work on a new tool to tackle fragmentation in the eurozone, the phenomenon in which bond yields in some countries rise much higher than in others. The announcement came at an unscheduled meeting on Wednesday to, quote, discuss current market conditions after yields for Italian and Spanish bonds reached their highest level in years. News of the new tool helped calm the trading. America's Federal Reserve raised interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point, the largest hike since 1994. Its target rate is now set in a range between 1.5% and 1.75%. The central bank took action after disappointing data on inflation, which it blamed on the war in Ukraine and China's COVID-19 lockdowns. Its chairman, Jerome Powell, said the Fed may raise rates by the same amount again at its next meeting in July. Ukraine ignored Russian demands to surrender from Severodonetsk in the Donbass region, despite the fact that Russia now controls 80% of the city. More than 500 civilians are said to be trapped alongside soldiers in the Azot chemical factory, with evacuations taking place intermittently. Meanwhile, NATO defense ministers met in Brussels to discuss Ukraine's requests for more heavy weapons. A synagogue in Florida is suing the state over a new law banning abortions after 15 weeks, arguing that it violates religious freedoms guaranteed by Florida's constitution. Jewish law requires abortion if it is deemed necessary to protect a mother's physical or mental health. Florida's law, which goes into effect in July, does not allow exemptions for rape or incest. The European Union resurrected legal proceedings against Britain over plans to override the Northern Ireland Protocol, which was part of the Brexit deal agreed in 2020. This week, Britain's government announced plans to give ministers the power to rewrite parts of the protocol, which keeps Northern Ireland in the single market and creates a border with the rest of the United Kingdom. The EU says it is illegal to unilaterally breach an international treaty. The price of Bitcoin fell towards $20,000 amid a broader meltdown in cryptocurrency markets. Earlier, Coinbase, America's biggest cryptocurrency exchange, announced that it had sacked 18% of its workforce. Brian Armstrong, the chief executive, reckoned the, quote, crypto winter could last for, quote, an extended period and would shrink trading revenues, the company's biggest source of income. And advisors to America's Food and Drug Administration recommended that the regulatory body approve two COVID-19 vaccines for babies and young children. The Committee of Independent Experts unanimously found both the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines to be safe and effective for infants aged between six months and four years old, with Moderna alone recommended up to the age of five the FDA is likely to accept the recommendation. The White House said vaccines could start as early as Tuesday. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Russia's Resilient Economy Most commentators expected Russia's economy to collapse in the face of unprecedented Western sanctions. Indeed, in the opening days of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the ruble fell sharply and banks looked wobbly. 
Since then, though, the economy has proved surprisingly resilient. GDP figures published on Thursday are expected to show that the economy grew in the first quarter of the year. Russia can thank a series of smart interventions by its central bank. The bank raised interest rates immediately after the invasion began, but quickly cut them again, stabilizing the currency and thus keeping inflation from spiraling out of control. Many countries, including Western ones, have continued to buy huge quantities of Russian oil and gas, guaranteeing a steady supply of foreign currency. And Russian consumers and businesses seem to have an uncanny ability to keep going despite the country's international pariah status. Unemployment has barely budged. Hopes that economic collapse will force Vladimir Putin to back down are likely to be dashed. Britain's interest rates rise, slowly. The Bank of England meets on Thursday with inflation well above its 2% target. In April, prices rose at an annual rate of 9%. But that does not mean a large interest rate increase is imminent. The bank's Monetary Policy Committee is supposed to look beyond temporary shocks and consider the wider economic environment. Recent data suggests there is no need to panic. Employee earnings do not yet point to a wage price spiral. In the three months to April, pay, excluding bonuses, fell by 2.2% after adjusting for inflation. If anything, Britain's slow economy is more of a worry. In April, GDP fell by 0.3% relative to the month before, with manufacturing hurt by soaring costs and supply chain disruption. Increasing rates too quickly could depress growth and medium-term inflation too much. So, although some at the bank may push for an increase in the official interest rate of 0.5 percentage points, most expect it to raise interest rates by just half that. The Great Uprooting Over 100 million people have been forced from their homes by war and persecution. The first time that figure has hit the grim milestone. The number is just one of many depressing figures due to be published in the UN Refugee Agency's Global Trends Report on Thursday. By the end of 2021, almost 90 million people are thought to have been displaced. Russia's war on Ukraine has pushed that figure up further. Conflicts in Afghanistan, Ethiopia, and Myanmar have also fueled the exodus. The majority of people, though, do not flee abroad. Around 53 million people have been displaced internally. That appears to be true of Ukraine, too. Some 4.9 million Ukrainians are registered as refugees in other European countries, but more than 8 million are displaced within their own country. The only way to stop such displacement, says the UN, is to address the underlying cause, preventing conflicts in the first place. Tunisians go on strike. It is a rare summer holiday that no one wants. Tunisia's main public union, the UGTT, has called a one-day strike on Thursday. 
With one million members, it has the power to bring the country to a standstill. The union is angry about rising inflation, which hit 7.5% in April, as well as government talks with the IMF about a $4 billion loan that may require subsidy cuts, wage freezes, and other painful measures. Always a fractious union, the UGTT has never met an economic reform plan it likes. But while Tunisia's debt-to-GDP ratio of 88% means it does need external help, the union is right to worry about what an IMF deal might mean for its struggling members. Kais Sayed, the country's increasingly authoritarian president, has spent little time on economic policy since his election in 2019. Instead, he is busy writing a new constitution ahead of a referendum few Tunisians care about. He will probably be at the office on Thursday, even if no one else is. An Exhibition of Broken Objects During the pandemic, Ellen Sampson, a British artist and curator, reassessed her relationships with the objects around her. We brought them into the world, so we need to look after them, she says. The idea inspired her to curate Eternally Yours, an exhibition about repair and healing that opens on Thursday at Somerset House in London. The most striking works are by Aya Haidar, who fled Lebanon in 1982. In Soulless, she embroiders the tattered shoes of refugees with depictions of their experiences. One is a record of a Syrian mother whose three-month-old baby was thrown off a dinghy by a human trafficker because he wouldn't stop crying. I couldn't return function to those shoes, writes Miss Hadar, but I could tell their story. John Ruskin, a British art critic, wrote that the traces of damage on a building, the golden stain of time, could imbue them with grandeur. As eternally yours shows, the same can be true of objects. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which jazz musician appeared in the films High Society and Hello, Dolly? Wednesday. Which rock star wrote books such as In His Own Right and A Spaniard in the Works? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Adam Smith. Hatred and anger are the greatest poison to the happiness of a good mind. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. <laughs>